Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Moore. <laughs> that noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. And this episode of Serving Drinks. We are going to talk today about the second episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. This is pretty cool episode. Really getting more to, of Omega to understand who she is. So they go to the planet Salukamai, which is an interesting planet because a lot took place there during the Clone Wars and only days before this episode, I imagine, is when Master Ela Sakura was killed on Salukamai. Now, it's interesting with the title of the episode being cut and run. As fate would have it, the Bad Batch goes to find Cut Locaine. Now, who is Cut Locaine, you may ask? Cut Locaine is a deserter clone who deserted and went and married. Sula Kane, a Twi'lek. Uh, Cut went and, and became her husband and became the adopted father to her children. And so they go and find Cut. Now, one of the things that Cut mentions is that Captain Rex had been to see him only the day before. Now, in Season 7 of The Clone Wars, Ahsoka removed the Order 66 chip from Rex's head. So now Rex is also on the run for what's going on. Now, the question that some have raised is cut. Did cuts chip trigger well we we do know from this episode that Captain Rex explained to Cut about the chips so Cut knows whether Cut had his removed or whether he is staying away from where any Jedi might be we don't know but he knows about it and he seems to be unaffected and I'm sure that it, it'll all make sense. One of the interesting things, though, is that Hunter and Tech realize that the regular clone troopers are programmed to never mention the chips. Oh, interesting. So aside from that, we get Omega, or Omega, in my terrible Kiwi accent, playing with Cut's kids. But before that, when the Havoc Marauder, their ship, lands on Salukamine, and Omega steps out for the first time into the sunshine, 
puts her feet on the dirt, picks up some of the dirt with her hand. It's absolutely a magical moment. In Star Wars, we take it for granted that people could just jump on a spaceship and go anywhere. In the first episode, even, and now in this episode, we're seeing the wonder of it through Omega's eyes. Omega had never been in space in the first episode. She'd never gone to hyperspace. And now she's never gone outside in the sun and played in the dirt like kids do. It is a magical moment. It's a moment like Ray experiencing the larger galaxy in the sequel trilogy, either looking at all the green trees on Papadana or relishing in the sunlight or feeling the rain with her hand. It's a similar moment for Omega to see the larger world that she missed. She goes and plays with Shia and Jack for Cut and Sue's children. She doesn't really understand how to play. Moved at like 11 in uh, Stranger Things. But then we get an interesting discussion while the kids are playing. Cut asks Hunter about Omega. Hunter says she's a defective clone like the rest of them. But Cut replies, Kevin Owens don't make clones without a reason. We don't know what her reason is. I'm sure we'll find out eventually. I don't want to speculate too deeply, but I'm sure that we'll find out, and I'm sure it will be very interesting. Is she just a female clone of Jungle Fat? Or is there more to it? So let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll discuss the rest of this episode. See you in a minute. Okay, we are back. So, the, the question of what Omega uh, is, you know, it's, it's a big question. And I don't want to get too deep. But, you know, it'd be very interesting to know as she factors in. Is she, and this is the only speculation I'm going to indulge in today, is she somehow connected to the early plan to resurrect Palpatine? Are we going to discover that she is Force-sensitive? That she was artificially created to see if they could clone a Force-sensitive being? I don't know. I mean, clearly not yet, but I don't know. You never know until you know. Okay. You know, we see the Imperial occupation cracking down in nearby town. Uh, they're confiscating ships, and everyone needs a, a chain code. They're like 
they're like marking all the citizens. You know, and they can't really get out uh, when they're changed. A chain code. It's like uh, it's like the letters of transit in Casablanca. And you need them to get anywhere because of the uh, the crackdown. You know what? That's a connection I never made till just now. That this is like Casablanca. You know, we see some guys trying to get out and getting rejected. And we see a very helpful Alina, double blue creature, explaining the chain code thing. You know, and apparently people now have to exchange their money for imperial credits. You know, and saying, it's hologram saying, peace will bring opportunity and prosperity for all people. You know, the standard imperial stuff. So anyhow, Back at the farm, at Cut's farm, um, Omega is playing, but she goes a little bit too far and is attacked by a Nexu, which is uh, this nasty creature we saw from Attack of the Clones. Thankfully, Sue kills it before it can get Omega, but or at least shoots it. I don't know if she stunned it or what. And um, you know, Hunter is kind of upset at Omega, but Cut is like, you know, Cut knows how to deal with kids. Cut, and, and because Hunter, you know, talks to her like you would talk to a soldier. But Cut's like, you know, she's not a soldier, she's just a kid. Cut does, you know, difficult dad thing, are you hurt, you know, and gives her a hug and he carries her, you know, it's it's very dad-like, and I think what we're getting to in this series is the hunter learning to be a dad. I think that's what we're getting to. The 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 connection between them is like the Mando and the child, you know, and Grogu. You know, it's this father relationship. This time, though, it's father daughter, which is very interesting. Omega feels very put out. Not, not that she's angry, but she's just feeling that she's she's just sad. And now she what's interesting is she's been wearing this amulet that hangs on her forehead. She actually takes the amulet off and she holds it and cries. So I wonder what that amulet means. Is she missing her quote unquote family? With Nala say back on Camino. Well, long story short, Hunter wants Cut and Sue to take care of Omega. And that's the plan, without telling her, of course. Never good to do that to a kid. But then again, again, Hunter is an inexperienced father. But as always, as I figured, Omega decides, nah. And so our heroes are trying to escape, and Omega shows up. And, you know, they eventually escape and steal. Omega steals the um, chain code so that they can escape. And, you know, they escape and all that. 
There's really not much more to comment on the plot here. Other than big fire flight at the end and all that stuff. And Wrecker, you know, breaking things and practice with his biceps. Building his biceps by lifting a gonk droid, which is really funny. And, you know, Omega's like, you don't need to get rid of me. I'm with you. <laughs> it is a marvelous episode. Great character development episode about Omega. About this father-daughter relationship, about raising kids. Cut says that, you know, fighting battle droids is easy compared to raising children. And I think he's absolutely right. And it's so interesting to see the cut has such a different vibe. Cut understands things that the Mad Batch do not. In in a really profound way. Because he has experienced fatherhood. He's experienced marriage. He's experienced being a foreigner. He knows these things that the soldiers just don't know. So it'll be interesting to see where this story goes. I love Omega. She is so stinking cute. She's, she's going to be up there with Grogu as one of these cute characters added to Star Wars. She is adorable. She's the kind of character that you, that I find myself wanting to adopt her, wanting to be her dad, you know? It's that feeling that I think they're trying to create with this series that you want the best for her like Hunter does. And we can empathize with that. And it's just so beautiful. It's so magical. I just think this show is so far. It's been so magnificent. Visually, it's so stunning. Great voice acting all around with Dee Bradley Baker and others. But basically, Dee Bradley Baker talking to himself. What a fantastic second episode. The music is fantastic. It, I mean, the music by Julie Kiner is phenomenal. And also good at getting... I got a little choked up in the episode. I did. The last scene when, when Omega's talking to Hunter. I got teary-eyed. It's so beautiful. And I also have to say, I, there's a scene earlier in this episode where Hunter is, like, doing various moves. Like, just his natural business of when he's talking. Like, he puts his hand on his chin and, and all that thing. Sorry, he puts his chin on his hand, on his fist, or he leans over a certain way, or he puts his arm a certain way, and Omega is imitating him. It's like the scene in Jaws, where Roy Scheider, Chief Brody, is sitting at the dinner table, and his little son, the younger one, is imitating all the moves his dad does. It's a beautiful Spielbergian moment, and it really makes you see, in the Bad Batch, the connection between Hunter and Omega. And it really makes you wonder, is now here's a weird thought 
is Omega's hunters is Hunter Omega's biological father? In some way, clone or or literally his daughter, you know. Is DNA mixed with someone else's to create this character? I don't know. We don't know. But it's it's such an amazing show so far. The sky's the limit. I love these characters. I love Omega. And those are my thoughts. On episode two of The Bad Batch, Cut and Run. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my then later. And thank you so much for tuning in to Serving Drinks on Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.